You ever think about what it would be like if millions of people were screaming at you on a television? Millions of your friends, family, your clients, your potential clients, your past clients. Uh, and to think that your poor child has to watch you possibly for the rest of their lives as you make them watch your appearance on a national primetime TV show. That's exactly what just happened to me. Tonight, I was on the episode of Wheel of Fortune as a contestant. And I'm assuming that my mother-in-law, my mother, my nieces, nephews, everyone was screaming along with a bunch of America when I didn't guess a puzzle correctly or when I guessed a letter that made no sense. Why didn't I guess an N? Even Pat said that. I would have known the word was fan belt. But if you watched along tonight on my episode of Wheel of Fortune, you might have had other questions like, how did you get on the show? What was it like to get on the show? What did you do with all the money you won? Spoiler alert, I won a little bit of money. And what did Vanna White say before you went on? And was Pat Sajak as fun and friendly as he seems? Those are all questions I'll explore on this episode of the Mic Drop Moment, where I talk about my appearance on Wheel of Fortune. So you have a story to tell, and you wonder how to own the stage and give that killer speech that will captivate the masses. You don't just want to speak to them. You want to transform your audience. Welcome to the Mic Drop Moment. Bold conversations about public speaking, storytelling, and business that give you real-world valuable takeaways so you can craft a speech, a story, a business, and a life that the world can't stop talking about. It's time to find your mic drop moment. Here is your host, Mike Ganino. It was almost exactly one year ago today when I did my first audition for Wheel of Fortune. I'd originally applied to be on the show back in January of 2021. I was at the time doing most of the stay-at-home uh, dad work for Viviana, and I probably was really bored and was like, I need something interesting to do that doesn't require a lot of uh, a lot of thinking or creating. And so I put in my application to be on Wheel of Fortune, which you could do over at the Wheel of uh, Fortune website. You can apply to be on the show. So I applied and I got notification that I'd been selected in early March. So you have to send a photo over and you, you know, fill out some information about yourself and you get an audition. So my audition was on March 16th, 2021, almost exactly a year ago. My episode aired on March 17th, 2022. So that's kind of where this journey began. And we did a Zoom uh, casting, a Zoom audition. So we arrived at Zoom. It was 2 p.m. Pacific on March 16th. I still remember that. Uh, earlier that day, I had had a podcast interview with my friend Katie Lance. So I had everything set up in the studio to be on camera. And I basically was on camera with two other people in a Zoom room and then one of the producers from Wheel of Fortune. And we played toss-up games. So she would put up a, a puzzle and we would hold a pen in our hand. And when we thought we got it, we would, you know, hold, push the pen towards the camera to let her know, like, we've got it. And then we would try to solve it. So I was playing with two other people who were really, really good. I didn't think I did that well, but I was having a lot of fun and I was supportive of them. And so, you know what? That, there's a little something to say that your energy in this world really dictates a lot of what comes to you because I did not think I did very well. 
And if you watch the episode tonight, you may agree that I eventually didn't do as well as I could have on the show, but I did win some money, so that's fun, and I had a good time. And I guessed a puzzle in the entertainment category, which was something I really wanted to do. Okay, so back to the auditions. So we did these Zoom auditions. We played a bunch of games. Uh, then we had um, just one-on-one time with the producer, so we went into like a breakout with the producer. And we played some more puzzles there. We had, uh, you know, categories. It was like music or something. I think I guessed a Gloria Stefan song. And we just, uh, you know, did some games. They were trying to see. I think they're really looking for your energy. How do you come across on camera? Do you have, uh, uh, you know, do you have the energy to be on primetime national television? Because at the end of the day, they're producing a TV show. And they need high energy, fun folks who look like they really love to be there. And yes, I do think that being able to solve some puzzles or at least take attempts at solving the puzzles is really important, but so is your energy. And in my case, again, I don't think I did that well on the Zoom audition as far as guessing puzzles correctly. I certainly didn't guess as many as the other people on my audition, but I brought a lot of energy and I had a lot of fun and I kept trying. And I think that that really matters a lot, not only for Wheel of Fortune audition, but I think in life. I'm going to argue that that's kind of my currency in life is showing up and being willing to just have a whole bunch of fun. That's probably how I've gotten to where I've gotten to. And about a month later, on April 20th, I got an email saying that I had made it, that I'd been chosen as a contestant for Wheel of Fortune. They were just wrapping up the season that they were taping then. They were just wrapping it up, and she didn't know when they'd be able to get get me in, but that essentially I was in, and at some point they would reach out and tell me to come on the show. But I had no idea when that was. So that was April 20th. Fast forward all the way to October. I get an email saying, hey, there are these dates available. And one of those dates was December 1st. So I said, yes, December 1st, I can do that. We had just gotten back like two days before from this really long road trip to Denver, Colorado to see my best friend, Chloe. And uh, we brought the dogs and the baby and, and rented a minivan. It was a whole thing. And so we just got back. And uh, we had to, you know, do a COVID test. The whole COVID thing was very serious. Apparently, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy were a couple of the first shows to be back taping live after COVID. And there are no audiences, so all of the applause you hear is piped in or from the other contestants from the other episodes that taped that day. But we had to do COVID tests the day before, and then the morning of, we did all of the COVID precautions. So we were kept really far from each other, the whole thing. I'll get into that in a minute because COVID was a real serious thing. They took it real serious. I felt so safe, possibly the safest I felt anywhere during this whole pandemic um, thing. But the the process of getting cast was essentially that. I applied at wheeloffortune.com, which you can, of course, do. And I got a question from one of my Instagram followers about... And a previous Wheel of Fortune contestant, by the way. Hi, Robert. He did very well on his episode. He went to the bonus round and won some good cash. So congratulations, Robert. And thanks for this question. He asked, did I think that living in Los Angeles gave me a leg up for getting cast? And I don't know if the answer is yes or no. Um, He noticed as we were chatting, and I noticed as well, that a lot of the people in this last season of the show have come from... California have come from the Southwest, essentially, maybe Arizona, Nevada, Utah, California. 
but that we've all been pretty close. And so I, I don't know for sure whether they only cast people in California. I know that they often, if you live in the LA area, they might choose you to be a... Um, like a, what is it called? Like a, a, a stand-in in case somebody doesn't show up, then you're ready to go. Because they don't want people to like get on a plane and spend money and then just be there as like a, you know, a runner-up kind of thing if they don't get picked because someone doesn't show up. Oddly enough, on the day that we taped, there was someone who couldn't, who didn't show up or who wasn't able to be on the show. And so one of those people, one of the stand-ins got their chance to be on an episode of Wheel of Fortune. So that was kind of cool. The day before we taped, we had to drive over to the Sony lot. They film in Culver City, California on the Sony Pictures lot, where they film a ton of other TV shows. So at the end of a show, when you see in the credits, uh, Sony Pictures, it doesn't necessarily mean that the show, you know, I don't know what it means with the ownership and things, but it means it was probably filmed on that lot. So it's right in downtown Culver City, really cool place to visit. And the the production studios are all there. And it looks like what you think production studios would look like, big kind of like military barrack buildings and you know not a lot of not a lot of razzle dazzle not a lot of hollywood over there but it feels kind of cool so we had to drive over and do our covid test the day before our episode aired and so we did that and then the morning of december 1st we show up and we're all kept apart from each other we're all uh, constantly kept six feet apart so we're sitting at table six feet apart we are uh, standing on dots six feet apart. We're sitting in the audience six feet apart in the rows. The entire time they have kept us really, really safe and distanced from each other. There's actually someone there. Uh, everyone was jokingly calling him Captain COVID. And his job was to keep the show super safe. And again, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune were two of the shows, the very first shows to come back after COVID and uh, and just did a really good job of keeping everyone safe all along. One of the very first things that they did make us do once we went into the studio, we started off in the Jeopardy studio. They weren't filming that day. So that's where we went to get our hair, our makeup, and all of our briefing, all of the rules, all of the what's going to happen today happened over on the Jeopardy set before we were brought over to the Wheel of Fortune set. So we'd be on set at 7 a.m. We sat outside until they called us in. We went over to the Jeopardy set. We got a whole bunch of, um, you know, the rules and how to play the game. And the one thing that I'll say in my experience living in L.A., in my experience being uh, an actor, in being on sets and coaching people on sets, is that these producers want you to do a really great job. It's kind of like on the last episode of the Mic Drop Moment where I interviewed Peaches, who was the winner of Food Network's 23rd season of Worst Cooks in America. She said that the only person thinking you're not going to do a good job is you. And isn't that so true? How often that stops us? It's a great episode, by the way, if you want to go back just one episode and listen to that. But these producers on these shows have a vested interest in you doing well and you being excited and you making fun TV. And the reality is for shows like Wheel of Fortune, it's not even their money they're giving away. Like they want you to win lots of money because... How cool is it when someone wins $100,000? How cool is it when someone wins the million dollars or wins a brand new car? It makes for great television. It makes the show more exciting. So they want you to get all that. They want big numbers because it's great for 
the viewing audience. And if it's great for the viewing audience, it's great for the Wheel of Fortune. So these producers, these talent producers who are there talking to you and getting you ready and getting you excited, they really want you to nail it. They want you to have so much fun. They want you to win. They are totally on your side. And it felt like that all day long. The three of them really took care of us and really made sure we had everything we needed it really felt, you know, you really do feel like your little Hollywood star for a day because they just treat you so lovingly and really, really try to guide your experience so you can have fun, win a ton of money, and which is really, really great. So when I talk about them sharing the rules with us at Jeopardy, this was them really like hyping us up to win, getting us really excited, giving us the tips and tricks and the things we need to know to like play a good game, to be able to solve puzzles, to be able to pick good letters, because that makes the show better. And you could even see that with Pat and Vanna on air. They really have fun when the audience is having or when the uh, contestants are having fun, because they know TV and they know that that's what makes good TV. So we're in the Jeopardy set, which one of the funny things is, and, and I'd love to you message me on, message me in my email if you're on my email list, or message me on Instagram DM if you've ever been on the show or been in the audience at these shows at Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune. The set is much smaller than you think. When you watch it on TV, it looks really big. And a lot of times you're seeing it in separate pieces, right? You're seeing the puzzle board with Vanna. You're seeing the middle, the middle stage where Pat and Vanna... Uh, come out in the beginning and end the show and, and where the winner does the bonus round at the at the end. And then you're seeing the three contestants and Pat at the wheel. And so it feels much bigger on TV than it actually is in person. It, it's relatively small when you're there in person. And the same thing for the Jeopardy set. I was really surprised sitting in the Jeopardy audience while we were getting, uh, and Jeopardy wasn't filming, so there was nothing going on on, on the stage. But we were getting our hair and makeup done, getting all the rules, getting all the like, how could we win? How does the game work? How do the different rounds go? And I was really surprised at how small the Jeopardy set fe- feels, how, how small it felt. And it really reminded me so much about what, what we do with public speaking, what we do with uh, on-camera storytelling, that everything, if you do it well, to the audience is a much bigger experience. That that it really, you know, can really feel that way. We can really help help people see something bigger. And so that's how I felt sitting in that Jeopardy set. It was just really, really fun, really cool. Again, we are all six feet from each other. We are all masked. And they're giving us all the rules and all these things. So we go down and one by one, we get our makeup on and we get our hair all spruced up and everything. And again, this is like 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. I was the sixth episode to tape that day. So we didn't tape until like 6 p.m. that day. So it was like hours before I was going to be on camera. And we had no idea at that point yet. We didn't know. We later got the show order. They did numbers and we got like picked out of a hat kind of thing of who would be going when. And that's when I found out that I was on the sixth episode. They tape six episodes a day of Wheel of Fortune. The first five episodes aired back in January. So I got to see those people win. And one of the women from one of those episodes won $100,000. Another one won the car. It was really, really cool to see. The woman that won the $100,000 in January, she works here in Los Angeles in the city of Beverly Hills and has been trying to be on the show for 20 or 30 years. And so it was so emotional seeing her. uh, You know, She said she was like an admin assistant or a secretary in one of the city departments at Beverly Hills. And just to think she won $100,000 and, and and I think she won a trip. It was so, I was bawling, by the way. So I was like, I need my makeup redone because I am crying over this woman winning the $100,000. It was really, really cool to see. 
And as we waited to be that sixth episode of the day, it really hyped up the experience. So anyway, so we're all getting our hair and makeup done. We're all getting fixed up and, and zhuzhed up for the day, getting all the rules on the Jeopardy set. And then we uh, get all the COVID rules as well. They swap out our masks. So all of us who have those cloth, you know, those cute little cloth masks, uh, they swap those out for N95 so we could stay safe on set. Uh, We got really clear rules of like, you know, how we were to be separated, how bathroom breaks would work, not only from a... um, from a show perspective, but like from a COVID perspective, like how many people would be allowed in each area at a time and how meals would work. And we all had to sit in the parking lot. So they had set up the parking lot. There's a big parking structure across the set from Wheel and Jeopardy. And they'd set it up with these small little tables with only one seat. So we we didn't get closer than six feet to each other all day long. Like the closest I was to anyone else that day, any of the other contestants, was when we were shooting my episode with Tiffany and Brooke, that was the closest I had been to anybody. And even then, you're still not that close to each other. So we go across, we've got our hair done, we got our makeup done, we've got our rules, we've got our N95 masks on. We get a little bag. By the way, there's like a little, they called it our COVID bag. And in the COVID bag was our mask and a Wheel of Fortune pen, which is so cool. We have, uh, we'd gotten our name tags by then. So that name tag you see, Mike, I have that here in my office with me. We'd gotten, you know, some, some tissues for our nose in case we needed to sneeze. We had some hand sanitizer and we had two of the little rubber spinners. So you'll notice in the episodes uh, lately, people have a little spinner in their hand and they use that to spin the wheel. And so we got those. They took them back from us, by the way, at the end. They like rewash them and give them to you again. Or give them to the next show. So we got all those in a bag. We went across. Now we're on the Wheel of Fortune set. And, uh, and you know, everyone, all the crew is like working over there. And we're still hours away from filming the first episode. So the crew's working. We're in the audience kind of learning uh, how it's going to work, how the show works, you know, how the flow works, all that kind of stuff. And then they take us down to the set. And we are standing on the sound stage. So we're actually down... You know that middle area where they have the the bonus round wheel, where the person who's in that final bonus round and Pat Sajak stand down there and they try to guess that final puzzle. So we're all standing down there, six feet apart. And three by three, we are um, brought up onto the the actual wheel platform where we're going to spin the wheel. So they have a, a fake Pat Sajak. There's a performer who is a fake Pat Sajak and he, you know, has fun and banters with us like a full on game show host, by the way. He wasn't just like phoning it in. He was like fully doing the show, having fun, bantering with everyone. And we all got to test spinning the wheel. We got to test out, you know, how loud we needed to be at calling out puzzle letters. And uh, one of my one of my other questions from Instagram was about whether or not I thought that uh, how hard was it to spin the wheel and it was harder than i thought to spin the wheel it i thought it was like oh this is going to be pretty easy but it actually like takes a little muscle and you really have to kind of like 
not just pull it towards you, you know, in front of your torso, but you have to like give it a little push as it comes around. It's in front of you. It hits your belly button. You need to kind of like send the wheel off as you go around. So spinning the wheel was harder. That one came from uh, one of my best friends uh, for almost 20 years. Um, or no, over 20 years at this point. Oh, goodness. Last year was 20 years. Uh, Liz. And I actually think from her daughter. So thank you, Liz. Um, and thank you, Monroe, for that question. So the wheel is, uh, we're spinning it, we're testing, we're trying letters, we're having fun, it's just banter, we all do that. Then we go back down, and then all of a sudden, from the, the stage door, walks in Vanna White. And she hasn't done hair, makeup, nothing. She's in like her... Um, She's in her like workout clothes and her hair's in a bun. She has no makeup on. She is just rolled in in her fancy SUV and uh, she walks in and she walks over to one of the one of the people producing and, and takes a microphone and she greets us all and she says, welcome. She was so kind. And her advice to all of us was have fun, like have fun, buy good letters, solve puzzles, try to win just have a lot of fun with the show. Um, and she was just lovely. She was kind, really calm. She was like a really calm presence to her. And even without makeup, without a fancy ball gown on, just in her like, you know, juicy couture sweatpants, she clearly was a star. You know, there's that like star wash that they go through <laughs> where they all, uh, you know, they come out the other side and they're, they're a little bit magical. She had that. She had that magic vibe to her. So Vanna gave us the advice of just play guess, try to solve puzzles, you know, don't worry about anything and just have a fun time try to win lots of money. And so that was cute. That was fun. We got to see her before. And that was, again, we're still hours from playing the game. She's coming in to get hair and makeup. And I think that was the first sign to me that this is going to be a while, okay? Because Vanna White was not even in hair and makeup yet or outfit yet, and so it was like, oh, shoot, because I know how long that takes, hair, makeup, and outfit. So I thought, oh, we've got a while before we're going to tape the first episode. So we then, we all get a chance to go. We're all talking. We're all sharing. We're all, you know, uh, all the set guessing letters and doing puzzles. And then we get ushered back to our seats after everyone's gone. We hang out. And if you've ever been in, if you've ever been on any kind of set like this, you know that it's a waiting game. There's just a whole lot of waiting, whether you've been on a reality show, you've been on a game show, you've been on a film set, you've been on a production set, even an industrial. When I would film industrials in my early 20s, um, this is, you know, it's just a lot of waiting. There's a lot of setting up cameras. There's a lot of moving things around. There's a lot of like turning a light, you know, three centimeters to get a, a shadow out of the way. So that's what happened a lot of the day. There was just a lot of like waiting, <laughs> a lot of waiting um, for, for things to be just right. And at this point we knew that we would be the sixth game. We had no idea what time that was, but we knew that they said probably plan on leaving here around seven or eight, by the way, I left right at seven, right on the dot. Now, the thing that surprised me the most, hi, quick little break from that. I'll get back into what surprised me the most, but this episode is being brought to you by the mic drop method. Yep. That's right. My own show is sponsored by my own thing. The Mic Drop Method is a public speaking, on-camera, self-expression, 
experience. You and I will work together for six months to help you figure out what it is that you are here to say, whether that is a signature talk, whether it's about being on camera, whether it's about just showing up and saying what you're meant to say, we will explore that together. I believe it's all about really honing in on your through line, not just the through line of your message and your stories, but the through line of you as a person, digging way down deep into your roots and pulling it all the way up to where you are today, we will explore what your through line is and help you to express yourself on stages, on screen, and on all the platforms you find yourself. It's a mix of one-on-one work and group time, mastermind, and really just a everything you need to get you where you want to be when it comes to embodying your message. If you want to know more about that and apply to work with me, you can check it out at MikeGanino.com. Everything will lead you to applying for the program there. It's called the Mic Drop Method, and I would love to be part of helping you tell your story. Now, let's get back to the show. Don't miss a single Mic Drop. Subscribe to the Mic Drop Moment. The most surprising thing to me about the show is that it was really kind of almost filmed in real time. It seemed that each episode took about 30 minutes to film once they started. And once the show started, it just like really kind of went in order, even to the commercial breaks. Whenever the show takes a commercial break, they pull the contestants off the main set, off the kind of like the wheel set, off to the side, and they kind of check it. They fix the... the um the parts of the wheel that are going to change, whether it's the prices or the prize wheel or any of those kind of things, they they change those out and the contestants go off to the side and you know get coaching from the talent producer. So they come in and tell you what's going to happen in the next round and what's your best chance at, at scoring. And you know all three of us are getting the same advice at the same time. And during that time, Pat and Vanna uh, go back behind the um, the puzzle board. So they like kind of disappear back there where there's a control booth. And I'm assuming like makeup and hair and things like that. So they go back there. We're getting coached. They're setting up the wheel for the next round, swapping out um, the different the different pieces for whatever's going to happen, you know, next the next prizes or upping the ante or anything like that. And it really films like almost in real time. Um, we go on the commercial break, and you know, we go offset. It was really kind of interesting. That surprised me a lot because I'm used to the actual filming of things taking so long. But once they start a show, it all really moves quickly. And there's also an independent, uh, way back at the beginning of like game shows on TV, there was all of this scandal, all these scandals around game shows where people knew the answers and were helping each other. So part of our screening process and our audition process was like uh, verifying that we were not related to anyone at Sony, that we'd never worked there, uh, yada, 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 because they're worried, obviously, of these games being rigged because they were at one time rigged. So there's actually like an independent agency that is checking the puzzle pieces, watching like a hawk the whole game to make sure that there's no cheating, that everyone has the same advantage. So that was kind of cool. It felt like very like, ooh, this is, you know, really, really fancy things. But again, like real money is at stake and there's real, you know, real prizes to win here. So it makes sense to me that that would be happening. So the episode filmed almost in real time, which was super, super cool uh, to experience and to be part of. But it also means that it flew by. So if you had the chance to watch the episode, 
that I was on just tonight. I'm, I'm filming this a couple hours before the episode's going to air, and this is coming out after the episode is aired in Los Angeles. So by this point, it will have aired on the East Coast, and I've actually heard and seen the episode because it aired on uh, certain markets on the East Coast because they are in the middle of like March Madness or something, and so they moved the show around. So it actually, in certain markets, has already played. And I already got to see it because I hadn't seen anything. I didn't know what it looked like. I had no idea what I sounded like or anything, but I'm pretty proud of it. I'm pretty proud of it. Obviously, I would have loved to have won, you know, spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't watched, go watch it, then come back to this episode. I would have loved to have won the million dollars or made it to the bonus round. But once the air started, the show started airing, it went so fast and your mind is so full of adrenaline and there's lights and cameras and you just want to like not stumble over your words and, and guess a letter correctly and not guess a letter that's already been guessed, which feels like the biggest mistake. And so it's much different. If you're one of those people that was watching tonight yelling at me on TV because I didn't guess, you know, America the Beautiful in that first toss up, I was so close. You could see it on my face when Brooke guessed it. I was like, ah, I almost had it. You could even see that I I pushed the buzzer to try to buzz in, and I just was like tenths of a second behind her. But if you're one of those people that is watching and yelling at the TV like I normally am, trust me that it is a much different experience being underneath of the light, being feet from Pat Sajak and you know tens of feet from Vanna White. It is a much different experience, and your brain is just not working the way it is when you're watching on the couch. Uh, it's just a totally different experience. So please trust that and, and uh, be generous. Be generous with us when you're watching the episodes. So the uh, the show moved really fast. It uh, We were the sixth episode to tape, so there had been five episodes before. We were all the audience for each other. Because of COVID, there was no audience. So all six episodes, which is um, you know 18 people and three alternates, um, in our case, only two alternates, because one of our alternates made it onto the show because one of the contestants uh, wasn't able to show up. And so we all were the audience. So there were like 18 people, 17 people watching and clapping. And uh, and that was it. There's no other audience. It's just the other contestants. So we had to be there all day. So show up at seven. And then my episode started filming around six and uh, six, six fifteen or something like that. And then we were out of there at 7 p.m. We were done with our episode and out the door. And I mean, by that time of the day, I was feeling tired. But as soon as it was like, okay, we're going to pull you from the audience, there was like a shot of adrenaline. And you're like, okay, I'm awake. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. But there was a little bit of a benefit, maybe. I don't know. There's probably no benefit, you know, otherwise they wouldn't have done it, to watching the show because I'd gotten to see so many rounds. But again, once I went up there, I couldn't remember what round are we in? What's going on? Am I allowed to guess a letter? Do I have to do, you know, it's just a different experience than watching at home or even watching from the audience uh, as other people were winning. So my, you know, of course I would have, I would have loved to have won the million dollars. I would have loved to have made the bonus round, but really I just wanted to make sure that I said something, you know, fun that felt like me when Pat came over and, you know, said my name and asked me about my family. If you noticed, uh, by the way, my, my husband's last name is Fox, F-O-X. And so I said my foxy husband. So wink, wink, nod, nod. That's a little bit for all of you in the know about that. Um, I got to mention Viviana and her journey as a preemie during COVID. 
uh, how brave she is out in the world. I mentioned that I had a podcast. We're not allowed to mention the name of it. Um, we couldn't mention like names of our companies or the names of like our podcast, essentially. So I got to do that. And, uh, and Pat asked me for public speaking advice. I might have given different advice, but at the moment, I didn't know he was going to ask that. So that's what came out. Um, you know, uh, take care of your audience. That's still good advice. Uh, I wish I had said something like, you know, tell a great story or something. But maybe that sounds like, I don't know, maybe that sounds so trite anyway. So I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to have fun with that part. I think I did that. I feel good about that. And I wanted to guess either an entertainment or a food-related puzzle. If you've been around for a long time, you'll know that I started, not really I started, I started my journey in, in the hospitality and airlines and, and uh, trying to be an actor and then went into restaurants. But I had my largest successes all throughout my 20s and early 30s in the restaurant industry. And so I wanted to guess something that was food or wine related, or I wanted to guess an entertainment puzzle. Like that was like, I really wanted to do that. And I did. You got to hear on the episode tonight, if you watched, I guessed the uh, the entertainment puzzle around Harry Potter on Broadway. So that was really exciting to me. Um, as soon as it was going around, I knew what it was pretty quickly. Um and I was just waiting for it to go through Brooke. And then Tiffany had her shot. Um, and then when it came to me, I knew what it was. But I was trying to rack up some cash. So I didn't want to just guess it right away. And there's always that risk. Because if you spin the wheel, you could go bankrupt. You could lose a turn. But I I just kept spinning the wheel until I filled in all the letters. I knew what the letters were. I knew that it was Harry Potter on Broadway. But I just wanted to rack up some cash. You know, That's what I was doing. So I was glad I didn't get it bankrupt. And I was glad that I didn't get a... I'll lose a turn, and I am glad that I guessed it. I guessed an entertainment one. So, you know, I manifested that. I couldn't manifest the million dollars or the $100,000 or the bonus round, but I manifested Harry Effin Potter on Broadway. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. So we shoot our episodes. We shoot our episodes, and uh, as soon as we're done, it's like goodbye. There's no, you know, huggy, huggy, kissy, kissy with Pat or Vanna. They're not near you at all. They are kept six feet away from you. You can even see that in the um, in the uh, in the bonus rounds of these last couple of seasons during COVID. They don't get near the person. In the old ones, you would see that they would be closer to them. They don't get near. They are away from you. Away from you. Uh, like I said, my friend, uh, my friend Jane. One of the questions she asked, Jane Wilson asked on Instagram was how was Vanna? I talked about meeting her. You know, she was so kind, so lovely, so nice. And again, even not in hair and makeup, she was magic. She had, you know, stardust, magical light energy all over her. And Pat was uh, nice. He was fine. He didn't do a lot of like talking to us. He really came out. And as soon as the camera was on, he did his part. Um, But he was friendly. And he seemed like he really did connect with you. Like he really looked you in the eye. He was really there. His presence was really, really rooted and grounded. That's what I will say for both of them, which I think is obviously that's what I do with the mic drop method. But I think is really critical for anyone who is getting on camera, who is getting on stages on any of those platforms, is you really have to be grounded in your energy uh, to be able to share your presence with people. That's really what the the whole process of the mic drop method is. And Pat and Vanna had that in spades, had it in spades, which is why they've had you know such long careers on this uh, on this on this TV show. You know they're so grounded and they are so 
in their presence. They are from root to head chakra, full through line going on there. So really, really lovely. Both of them were. Thank you for that question, Jane, uh, for that one. So we taped our episode. Uh, we were so excited. So Tiffany got to go to the uh, to the middle round. Oh, one of the things I was going to say, what's really cool about the show. So if you look at the show, you'll see that we're all kind of the same height, but we are not at all the same height. I was much taller than Tiffany and taller than Brooke. And I was, frankly, taller than Pat Sajak as well. But what happens is you go onto the platform and then you stand behind your color. I was blue, which is my favorite color. So that was kind of cool. So I was standing behind the um, platform. And my little uh, Nordstrom, by the way, my my um, suede jacket that I was wearing, my suede bomber jacket, um, Phil bought me at Nordstrom. We did a little, a little um, you know, school shopping trip. Remember that when you were little, you'd go school clothes shopping? So we went shopping to buy this. It's delicious suede, by the way, just delicious. I don't know if it's real suede. Sorry if that bothers you. Um, I don't know what it's made of, but it feels like that. It feels just delicious and like buttery rich. Um and I felt rich in it too. I think I looked rich. <laughs> and so uh, we are all different heights, okay? But on the show, they need you to kind of roughly be the same height. It just looks better on camera. It's one of the things, again, in the mic drop method, I teach people how to um, how to perform on stage, on camera, how to block, how to stage it, how to move, all those things so that it puts on a good visual show for your audience. And that's exactly what the Wheel of Fortune did with this set. So basically, we go and we stand behind our our color on the wheel. You know, it almost looks like one of the wedges, but I'm in the blue section, the Fortune. Tiffany's in the middle, Brooke closest to Pat. And each of those four sections, Pat's section, uh, Brooke's section, Tiffany's, and mine, are on a different... Um, like hydraulic system. And so we all get in there. They like close the gate behind us so that we don't accidentally like fall off the, the stage onto the, onto, the, onto the ground. And then they raise and lower them so that we're closer in height to each other because it just looks better on camera. So if you're ever watching the show and you think, why are all those people the same height? Uh, they're not. It's the magic of Hollywood. It's the magic of Hollywood. So they move us all around. And so before we can like walk off of there, they have to lower them so that we don't fall. And... Uh, it ended and it was time for Tiffany to go up for bonus round. And so they whisk Brooke and I backstage. Um, at this point, all the other episodes from the day, the other five episodes are still in the audience watching watching Tiffany. Brooke and I are backstage waiting for uh, Tiffany to do the bonus round. And, you know, at this point and really throughout the show, what I'll say is there was never really any competition I think if you watch it, you'll hear me laugh quite a bit for the other contestants, cheer them on. Uh, Physically, you can even see me kind of rooting for them. And I I guess it's because I never really felt like, like all of us could have won a ton of money. Like all of us, there was any one of us winning didn't mean the other one wasn't going to win. So I think like, I don't know, my thing was like, let's all... Let's all get it. Let's all get this bag. Get as much as we can. So we were backstage, Brooke and I, watching Tiffany do the bonus round on the little screen. Because we have to wait for her. And then one of the one of the people from the show comes in and gives us like what happens next and that we can't talk about it. Because um, this aired, or we taped it on December 1st. So it's March 17th when it's airing. So we had a long time to go. And, uh, and then get all the details for our money. We don't get any of the money or anything for like... I don't know, I think three three to six months from now. So like, I still don't, I won't have that money till the summer that I won. 
So we're backstage, we're watching Tiffany, we're trying to guess, we're like so much like, you know, really, really wanting her to win, just wanting her to win something big. Um, And the puzzle she had was so hard. What the heck is a hayloft? Who knows what a hayloft is, you know? So... She didn't, she didn't do it, but she still won some good money. So did Brooke. Uh, so did I. And it was just so much fun. And it gave me this great content to come here and share with you as well. So that was my experience on the Wheel of Fortune. Afterwards, um, I did take myself down the street in Culver City and have just a little glass of wine at Roberta's and some olives because I just needed to like decompress. You know, after you do like a big thing, you're like, I need to decompress a little bit. So that was my experience on Wheel of Fortune. It was so fun. It was, you know, just a delightful thing. And I've been watching that show since I was little. I remember watching that, you know, when it was on TV growing up in San Diego with my mom and sister and thinking, like, how does someone make it on the show? And even though there's three people a night, five days a week for like 30 years or something, it still feels magical to watch. And it definitely feels magical to be part of. So I had a blast. You should definitely try. I mean, go to Wheel of Fortune and audition. It would be so cool for you to make it. And if you make it, reach out to me. Maybe I'll have you come back and we could do an episode of the Mic Drop Moment together talking about our time on Wheel of Fortune. It was really, really fun to do. I had a great experience. I won a little bit of money. I got a new jacket out of it. And a really cool press photo that I can share. And I I think I might add as seen on Wheel of Fortune just to like everything I do now. That might be my new way. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mic Drop Moment. I'll see you next time. This episode has ended, but your journey doesn't have to. Head on over to MikeGanino.com. Access all the resources and links that Mike and his guests shared today. And keep on crafting your own story. That's MikeGanino.com. Your audience is waiting. Isn't it time to find your hashtag mic drop moment? 